Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Gompies, and welcome to 100% Hits, a volume pod, the podcast that looks at the greatest compilation series this country has ever produced. My name is Josh Earl, and joining me this week, first time to the podcast, can you please welcome into your ears, into your hearts, it's Michael Hing, everyone, yay! Hey, hello, Josh, hello, Gompies. Yeah, you loved it, you love saying that. <laughs> it's a good it's word, fun. it's good. <laughs> How you been, Michael? Been well, been well. Um... Uh, you and I see each other on a semi-regular basis because uh, yes. we work at the same place. We sit in an office together, opposite yep. opposite um, computers. We are yep. like face Desk to face. Deskmates, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so you know how I am. I'm. I'm. Yeah. I'm. I. What's What's happened recently? I recently got married, which was nice. Exciting. I, um, I quit my yeah. job at Triple J, which was also exciting. Exciting. Nice. Uh, and then I've um just been hanging. I've been hanging out at your place of work a lot. <laughs> yes. Hey, we're going to talk about hundreds and hits. Spring of two thousand and one, it was a pretty big, pretty big time in the world. I don't know if you, mm-hmm. you're a newsman these days, but I don't know if you were in two thousand and one. <laughs> Do you remember what happened? So spring is now. Is that is is it Australian spring? It is Australian spring. Yes. Gosh. So, so what? So what's that sort of September? Yeah, September, October, so? November. September two thousand and one. I what was happening around then? <laughs> so we are. This is all. I don't know when they put. I reckon they put it out before spring hit. Okay. Um, and, okay. And so all these songs are in a world before the Twin Towers went down. Pre nine eleven. Yeah. Pre nine eleven. Okay. This is the, this is the last of um you know just the last of freedom in America <laughs> <laughs> that has just been under the tyranny of war for twenty <laughs> twenty two years. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. But two thousand one. Hing. How old were you? You would have been. Like 15, 16? Yeah, great. So yeah, I was this scared. kind of music that we're about to listen to, you would have mm. been past this, I reckon. I reckon. Hmm. Look, I was a bit of a music snob back yep. then. And so and, and this was sort of before sort of mass internet music, yes. really. So there was a real big divide in the early two thousands or late nineties, early two thousands of alternative versus like, you know, commercial. And I, having not really looked at the track listing on this, I'm guessing under 100% hits, it's probably more to the commercial end of things. Oh, absolutely. We 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 yeah. love pop on this. Pop so there might be like word. one or two songs that I recognize, but I think a lot of them, or sorry, there's probably quite a few I recognize. It's probably a lot that I haven't, that 15-year-old me or 16-year-old me has an ideological opposition to. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I was the same. So I... I I don't know if I've talked about this with you before, but I do know I've seen photos of you from this era. So I'm guessing mm. you were into because this is all like Lincoln Park, Limp Biscuit, mm-hmm. uh, kind of in this area. Were you into that kind of stuff? Because you you were the target like age bracket for it. In 2001, I think my favorite album released that year was like Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. No oh. more shall we part or something, whatever it was. Great. Like, yep, I, I was kind of that that vibe. More is that the one that has "There She Goes, My Beautiful World"? That that's my favorite of his songs. It's the, I remember. Oh, actually, what what what? The album I'm thinking of has that 15 feet of pure white snow song. Oh, on it. Yeah. Is that Nocturama? No, I don't know which one that is. No, that's early, anyway. but it, that's the film clip with Jarvis Cocker and Jason Donovan, mm, and mm, they mm. and Jason Donovan in particular looks coked up to his eyeballs. <laughs> it's, it's great. All right, we're going to talk about pop music, and we're going to kick this off with a song. That loves pop. This is the boys from NSYNC and the debut single from their album Celebrity, or I should say first single, not debut single, from their album Celebrity. A real middle finger to the haters who were into alternative. <laughs> this song is called Pop. Here we go. Dirty pop. Go. Sick inside of hearing all these people talk about what's the deal with this pop life and when is it gonna fade out? 
Everything you got to realize What we're doing is not a trend We got the gift of melody We're gonna bring it till the end Come on now I'm the car we drive What I wear around my neck There we go. Ooh. First thought thing. Production. Very tinny. Very yes. tinny. 2001. Loves a, <laughs> loves loves to take out um everything but the, I don't know, the mids or whatever it is. I don't fucking know. It's, it just sounded very tinny. It's a lot of treble, no bass. Yeah. Um, um, God. I, I did not, I had not heard that song before that I can recollect. Uh, but you can you can hear the vocals of Justin Timberlake, obviously, yep. NSYNC aficionado. I mean, NSYNC uh, alumni. Um, when I think about NSYNC, really all I think about is I think about the Melbourne comedian John Safran saying Joey Fatoni for some oh, reason. And I, I don't know what that is. Well, Joey Fatoni was a member of the band. In yeah. in this film clip, he's not uh-huh. actually in it because he injured his leg <laughs> two days before they filmed it. And so the choreographer, oh. Wade Robson, had to fill in and they superimposed Joey Fatoni's face onto Wade's body. <laughs> they spent oh, yeah. so much money doing this thing. It was, it's one of the most expensive film clips ever made because of Joey Fatoni. Like they had to superimpose. Like, That's and this is 2000, 2001. Like this is like, I mean, we've, we've had The Matrix, so, you know, we can do it. We know we can do it, but for of a, for a film clip like this is we crazy. have the technology, but the Matrix costs you know hundreds yeah. of millions of dollars to make. Like so, this song is written by Tim Blake and Wade Robson, the choreographer. Uh-huh. Uh, Wade's Australian. He oh. also this is what what I had heard his name before. I didn't know where, but he is one of the subjects of the documentary Leaving Neverland, which detailed the abuse he suffered from Michael Jackson between ninety oh. two and ninety seven. I have, um, I have seen that documentary. That's yeah. That's who that is, right? Okay. Yeah. Wow. So he was a choreographer, like a, yeah. Yeah, like yeah, a yeah. child genius who Michael Jackson knew about. Got his family to move to America, and then he oh. was like working with Britney. Britney had heard his name and said, "I want yeah. that guy." And then when he came in, she was like, "This is a child. I'm not working with a child." And then she ended up really liking him. So right. much so that the rumor, now this is just rumor that I found uh-huh. on, on the message boards, uh-huh. that Tim Blake's song Cry Me a River, which is all about Britney Spears cheating on him, yes. is because when uh, Robson and Britney Spears were touring together, they got together. And so oh. that ended his ties with NSYNC and also ended his ties with Britney Spears. <laughs> Inc- yeah. That guy, if that yeah. is all, like, if that all, that guy has had the most wild. Yep. Life. Like yep. a lot's going on. That's that's so crazy. So um, that's hectic. So this uh the label didn't want this to be the first single. They were like, it it, it doesn't have a like a hook to it that Which we can really sync album to. is this off? Do we Celebrity, know? yeah. Two thousand and one's right, celebrity. Okay. So not uh-huh. so the big one had been in ninety nine. Yeah. And yeah, this was yeah. the follow up one, which was still huge, but just yeah. not as big as the one before. Uh so Jive Records were like uh, it's not radio friendly, and it doesn't have a formula. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But Tim Blake really fought for it. Uh, Robson wrote this, and he wrote another song uh, called "See Right Through You" for their album. And uh-huh. but he was going to keep that for himself. And uh, NSYNC were like, "Nah, give it to us. You'll make more money if you give it to us. Like we'll we'll put it on our album. It will sell millions and millions of copies." Um, this was produced by a guy called Brian Transu, otherwise known as BT, not the football commentator. He's mm-hmm. with uh, bands like Death Cab for Cutie, uh, Sting, Peter Gabriel. He's like very, very respected. The Roots as well. Yeah. But there are 3,642 vocal edits on this song. Oh, yeah, this work cut out for it. Yeah, the song goes for f- less than four minutes. Yeah. That's uh, crazy. The album sold six million copies worldwide. Uh-huh. The, th- the third biggest albums of 2001 okay. 
One of them was Lincoln Park, hybrid theory. Sure. Do you want to have a guess what the other biggest one was? So it's it's the year Lincoln Park, yep. NSYNC. Gosh, what came out in 2001? What was popular back then? Is it is it is it in a similar genre to either of these? Is it is it pop it, or it's it's pop, but it's not this kind of pop. Mm, is it 2001? Oh, is it like Britney Spears? No, you'll no. never, you'll never look. Okay. I, I was shocked. Shaggy, uh-huh. Shaggy's Hot Shot. Does is does Hot Shot have it wasn't me on it? Yes, that was the number one <laughs> album of two thousand one in the world. Dude, have you heard the story that it wasn't me? No. Basically, he. I, I'm gonna fuck up some of these details, but basically, he released it. No one gave a shit, and then one. It was like one station in Hawaii or something was playing it and it went like old school viral. Like people yeah. would fly onto the island and just hear this crazy song and be like, wow, I've got to find out more about this Shaggy. They would fly back to the America and be like, you guys heard about this Shaggy? Um, and it wasn't me, it just became this huge monster hit basically because one um, one DJ in, um, in, in, in Hawaii just kept playing it. Well, what I've noticed is Mr. Boombastic is back. Mm. It's back in like meme culture. People are using it all the time. Shaggy Boombastic. It's yeah. a, it's it's a he's he was a meme song guy. Yeah. Before like he his you think actually think about now nowadays like when people write songs, a lot of artists are writing songs for the 20 second concept hook that, you know, can be used on TikTok or whatever. Shaggy was doing that 25 years yeah. ago. <laughs> the that's ahead of his time. Yes. Uh, so on September 6th, NSYNC performed this song at the MTV Video Music Awards and Michael Jackson performed alongside them. Performed the song Pop. Yep. Them. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So there we go. <laughs> NSYNC's Pop. Good Good job, lads. I got to didn't like that song. <laughs> well, leave that to the end. We'll see. All right. Okay. Here's another one that I have not thought about for a long, long time. This is Uncle Cracker. And his song, Follow Me. You don't know how you met me. You don't know why you <laughs> For the listener, Hing's face is amazing. And say <laughs> goodbye. All you know is when I'm with you, I make you free. And swim through your veins like a fish in the sea. I'm singing, follow me, everything is alright. I'll be the one to tuck you in at night. And if you want to leave, I can guarantee you won't find nobody else like me. I'm not worried about All right. the ring you wear. That's, that's, that's all we need to hear. <laughs> I'm gonna say this has this has like been the soundtrack for a lot of photo montages for weddings and stuff like that. Like this is kind mm. of mm. you know them frolicking around and meeting and all this kind of and, and baby photos all putting this montage. And what yeah. was that lyric in it about? Um, I, I want to swim were... through. I want to swim through your veins like a fish in the sea. That's insane. <laughs> I mean, obviously, song lyrics are never yeah. same, but that's that's a really wacky thing to, <laughs> to put into a song. <laughs> Well, Uncle Cracker, real name Matthew Schaefer. He was Kid Rock's turntablist before he went solo. Him. Oh, you yeah. knew I see. I knew this about him. Because I, I don't I, – I never liked Uncle Cracker. I just thought there was – just yuck. Just didn't – wasn't music wasn't for me. Didn't like it. And I remember Googling him, I don't know, 10 years ago or something, and being like, what the fuck? <laughs> Kid Rock's DJ. <laughs> Oh god! Because well, every because everyone had a DJ back then. Like yes, rock bands had DJs, obviously. Off the yep. you know Lincoln Park, obviously, etc. But also like you know, um, Incubus. Yeah, remember the band Incubus? They had a DJ. I sure do. I remember Incubus, the the lead singer. I remember my flatmate at the time had a massive crush on him, but then was like, we don't like the music. He's just a good looking <laughs> dude. Um, so. Kid Rock and Uncle Cracker met at a turntabling competition where Uncle Cracker's brother was competing. And they became friends, Kid Rock and and Matthew Schaefer. Wow! And he asked Kid Rock asked Matthew to be the turntablist in his band, 
even though he, wow. he wasn't a turntablist. His brother was. And that band was called Twisted Brown Trucker. Uh, but he thought, I'll do it. All right, how hard can it be to just go scratch, scratch, scratch? Because that's all they were doing, really. Like just Right, yeah. wiki wiki was. It looked cool. Uh, so he was in the band. And then in 96, he contributed backing vocals and turntable uh, turntables on the album. So before it was just in live, now he's starting to get on the album. Mm-hmm. And all this time he was working on the solo album. Kid Rock produced it. This is the lead single from it. It went number one in eight countries, and Australia and New Zealand were two of those countries. So to get make it more 2001, Mark McGrath of the band Sugar Ray is in the film clip. Peace. Also, people in the comments is like, oh, CeeLo Green's also in the film clip. It's not CeeLo Green. It's <laughs> Kid Rock's band member Michael Bradford, who... <laughs> Who doesn't really look that much like Celo Green, but he's okay. a short, a short, bald black dude. Okay, so, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now, Uncle you, Cracker, yes, did he go to prison? He sure did. <laughs> yes, I, I have a memory of him going to prison. Yeah, so maybe that's why I was googling him. If listeners, if hanging out with Chris Kid Rock isn't bad enough, uh, this is. What happened? So in 2007, he was convicted of uh, being a sex offender. Oh. So, yeah. So he had to, he was allowed to travel because of his job, he said. Um, he was in town for a performance. Uh, oh, so he'd been jailed for 60 days uh, for some alcohol and marijuana. Okay. Uh, paid a fine and didn't have to go to prison, but was allowed to travel, had to, you know, had to be a good boy. And then at a party, he put his hand under a woman's skirt. She turned around and slapped him. And wow. he said that he didn't do it. And then there was security footage of him doing exactly what he said he didn't right. do. And so he went to jail uh, for, uh, I don't know how long, but also I think he may have had some other issues after that as well. Sure. Um, okay. But okay. So my 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 instincts on Uncle Cra- with Uncle Cracker were correct. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, it was. All right, moving on. This song, you will know this song. I forgot how big this song was. I saw it on the line. I don't remember this song. And from the very mm. first bar, I went, "Oh, this song was everywhere in two thousand one." This is Madonna and her song. Oh, don't tell me. That's a real hit. It's a good song, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty good. That um, stop start guitar was a bit yep. of a trend back in the day, as was that sort of synthetic strings. Yeah, it was everywhere in two thousand and two thousand and one. So this is from the album Music, and I remember Music so much. Yeah, yeah, that's the <laughs> but, big hit. But yeah. I think this one holds up even better. Yeah, because we talked um, about mu- music the other week, but this one is real good. Is that also the album that Ray of Lights on, or is that no, earlier? That that's right. the album is Ray of Light. That's oh, okay, that's right. Good, that's okay. a great great song. Man, uh, I heard Ray of Light the other day and was like, "Yeah, Madonna, she yeah. really knows how to write a hit." Well, this one she played this live. Uh, it's the first time she played live in front of people. She played went on Letterman and played guitar. She'd just been learning to play guitar and so played this song with her guitar oh, teacher that's on fun. the show. Yeah. And doesn't he does all the noodly stop start stuff, but she just kind mm. of strums the four chords. But uh, so this song, 
the producer was a guy called Miwa uh, Ahmad, Ahmadzi, uh, mm-hmm. and he uh, was like going, we wanted to make a, a, a new kind of style and he called it Folktronica or Cyberfolk. That's what he was oh, going dude. for. Hell yeah. yeah. Hell yes, brother. Yeah. Uh, Cybertronica, was it? Uh, Folktronica, Folktronica. And, and Cyberfolk were the two things they were like, it's one of those two. Folktronica so, rules. That's so, so cool. So this song, uh, Madonna co-wrote it, but she kind of, she was inspired by a song that her brother-in-law wrote. His name is Joe Henry, and he wrote a song called Stop. And I'm going to play you some of this. And this song, he okay. released it afterwards, after she released hers. And uh-huh. the Sopranos played this in uh, an episode in season five. So this is his... Um, Go forward a bit so you can hear the lyrics. Because you said so. Tell me love isn't true. It's just something we do. Tell me everything I'm not. Yeah, anyway. So she heard that and all the lines, so don't tell me this, don't tell me this. And she goes, oh, I really like it. So she kind of just made her own song off the back of it. And he was yeah, very cool right. with it. Like, yeah. 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 Uh, he said he wrote his in about 20 minutes and then um, <laughs> played it to her. But uh, she. So I'm doing just a bit of Googling while we're um, listening to this. Yep. The B side, I don't know if you're interested in this, but the B side from. This song, this single. Have you heard about this? No. The song called Cyber Raga. Oh. <laughs> and I kind of, would you mind, just for the podcast, would you mind Googling it and playing a little bit? Because I want to hear it, but I also want listeners to hear it. Because I think a song called Cyber Raga, I'm intrigued by. S, uh, sorry, C Y B E R hyphen R A G A. All right. And all the lyrics look like they are not in English. Oh, I'll have to go into. It's not on Spotify. We know that. So here we go. Is it on? It's on YouTube. All right. Song by Madonna. Here we go. It's a five-minute song. There might there might be an ad here coming up first. <laughs> sorry to sorry to take over the podcast, but I think it's worth no, no. it for Cyber Raga. Here we go. So the top comment is tracks like this are better than most shit in the charts right now. Madonna, she was a genius. Oh, it's like chanting. Hi. Okay. There you go. It's like almost mystical. Let's see, let's see if religious it chanting. Halfway through. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Madonna. There you go. She can do it all. Remember that when she kind of was like toying with Jewish mysticism, like Kabbalah and stuff? That was her yeah. big thing. Yeah. She, she likes to experiment. What a crazy life she's led. An amazing life. Yeah. Uh, although she could do without filming herself talking in the bath these days. That's that's all. That's what happens. You have people saying yes to you. Every, everything you say for 40 years, it must, yeah. Yeah. It must affect you. <laughs> uh, so this uh, took eight. It was in the charts for four months until it peaked at number four. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, his uh, yeah. So Joe Henry's version uh, didn't make the charts, but he made a fair bunch of money on it being in the Sopranos. So both of them doing doing fine. They're doing fine. Doing fine. All right, let's go to Australia. This is a guy whose real name is Paul McDermott, but not not the comedian. This mm. is Paul Mac and his song "Just the Thing."
perfect music for New Year's Eve fireworks to go over. Hell yes, that that song rules. Honestly, that song rules. It's really good. I forgot all about it. I, I knew the song, but I didn't know it was Paul Mac. So yeah. the, voc- the vocals on uh, is a woman called Peter Morris. Okay, so this is the first time Paul Mac's been on the uh, on the podcast. So his first band was in the mid '80s called Smash Mac Mac. They were like an art noise band that uh, covered Talking Heads. Great. Right. He was really into drum machines. Uh, that's where he came in the band. Mm-hmm. Then he was in another band uh, called The Lab. Uh, okay. And they were signed to Ruart, um, which was the same label that you and I were on. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that was the guy from In Excess's, uh label, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. All right. Then he was part of Itchy and Scratchy. Of course. A classic. Yep. An Australian classic. Then he put this out under his own name and the album was from, it was called 3,000 Feet High. I remember that album. Yeah. Yeah. And then he joined uh, with uh, Daniel Johnson Silverchair and they were the Dissociatives. Yep. And they were together for two years. And then- And made some of the best, yeah, like some of the all-time great Australian dance music. Yeah. And then he's- been just remix for hire, uh, guy. Oh, he also, uh, uh, I think was in Silverchair when they were doing their Young Modern uh, touring. As oh, well. right, okay, yep. Uh, but he's uh, remix work for Powderfinger, Mark and Kane, Grinspoon, Cruel C, In Excess, and Placebo, and uh, also did uh, he was the musical director on Good Newsweek with Paul McDonald. Oh, so, with Paul McDonald, yeah, wow, yeah. <laughs> So anyway, this song uh, was nominated for the ARIA for Best Dance Song of 2001. Didn't win. What? What did it lose to? The Avalanches. Didn't stand oh. a chance. Like okay, the one, yes. the one yeah. year, like yeah, yeah, a, a, yeah, dance, yeah. a dance band actually takes over like everything. It's like, yeah. a, a commercial and um, yep. critical success, a, a rarity in Australian music, like a huge, yeah. one of the great, one of that, the great albums of all time yep. from in world music history. <laughs> yes. It's so funny because I, uh, Nick Hornby wrote a book called 31 Songs and he just picked 31 songs that he liked and talked about. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he p- picked Frontier Psychiatrist by The Avalanches. But mm. one of his things in it, he said that th- they'll never do another song. They're like a novelty. This is all they'll do. And I'm like, what, what? I don't know why he thought that would be it for them. I mean, it was for a long time. Yeah. 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 I, 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 yeah. I mean, but but having said that, for people who own, who haven't heard their last Particularly their, their last album, the last two albums, they're really good. Yeah, the last really, album was really amazing. Good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they also uh, Paul Mac also uh, was nominated for best male artist of the two thousand one Arias and lost that to your mate Nick Cave. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, sucks to be Paul Mac. Unfortunately, that's a, that's a strong year, a strong year of contenders. But in two thousand and two, this song won the APRA Award for most performed dance work. Most performed. It was just on the club, in the clubs all the time. In the clubs, people filling in their performs. Um, we played Paul Max, just the thing. I mean, it was everywhere. It was also, I mean, for APRA as well. I reckon it would have been used a lot at like sporting events yep. or like, and they, they're, they're, you know, they're writing that down, you know. It would have yep. been intro music or on TV yeah. and stuff. It would have been all over ads. I'm, and I'm trying to think what ad it was on. I'd say commercial radio played it as well. Dude, yeah. It would have been a crossover. Yeah. And I've said this in the past, but any song with a choir just makes it sound so good. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I'm still trying to work out what ads it was on. What ads was it on? Anyway, while you, well, I guess while we'll... you're working that out, let's play out. Yeah. Oh, actually, you know what? Speaking of ads, let's go to some yeah. ads. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back very soon. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And we're back. All right. We're going to the UK now. We thought the boy band, thought NSYNC was the only boy band. Well, think mm-hmm. again. We're all going to rise for the Mighty Blue and their song, All Rise. 
my case dude that slaps <laughs> i like the melodica because i like the idea of a guy mm. in a boy band with abs playing the melodica yeah or was it a melodica or maybe like a i guess it's yeah melodica or harmonica probably actually individual notes probably melodica you're yeah. right yeah so this so was good. this is the lead single from their debut album uh called all rise it was a hit worldwide number four in the uk number three here in australia number one in new zealand which doesn't surprise me new zealand love kind of bad hip-hop and funk <laughs> <laughs> so the, the lyrically this song it's all rise like a it, it's talking about a courtroom is it because i think i heard him say your honor yeah i so think that's the metaphor they're going with right oh it's a metaphor it's not literally about a, a courtroom okay i was gonna say are they bad boys of hip-hop and, and bad funk oh they're trying to take the mantle off uh e17 yeah <laughs> <laughs> they're the bad bad boys of boy bands um so i think as a to perform this live would be fun. They do this mm. one first. Everyone, all rise, get up out of your seats. That kind of stuff. They're thinking more like oh, right, sure, they're like live as a performance. Show. Yeah, this will this will go crazy once Pretty I get the melodica stuff. out. At my a great abs. idea. Yeah. Uh, so the band members were Simon Webb, Duncan James, Anthony Costa, and Lee Ryan. Okay, we're going to talk about him in a minute. Okay. But they released three albums, and then they went on hiatus in two thousand and four. Uh, they all split up to do solo careers. Because Elton John told him to. And, wow. you know, you know the, the household names, Simon Webb, Duncan James, Anthony Costa, and Lee Ryan, they all went on to be huge. Huge no. successes, just like Elton John. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so who cares about all that? Because I want to talk about Lee Ryan. So on October 26th of 2001, he said, 9-11 has been blown out of proportion. Okay. Okay. Here's the full quote. Who gives a fuck about New York when elephants are being killed? They're ignoring animals that are more important. Animals need saving, and that's more important. This New York thing is being blown out of all proportion. Now, look, (laughs) in retrospect, can we say that the broad response to 9-11 caused 20 years of harm throughout the world that you know, it was it was America lashing out at the world, and you know, yes, I think I think from tw- from from twenty years out, you can see the damage, the response to nine eleven, but the the nine eleven had um, done. But I I feel like when is his quote? When is it? When is he saying this quote? October twenty six. So fifty days after. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm, I feel. Like, I feel like when they're still cleaning up Ground Zero. Yeah, maybe, maybe keep your fucking mouth shut. Well, the reason Hello? that he was, but this is my thing. What he was asked about nine eleven, because oh, so he wasn't he didn't this is pre Twitter he wasn't tweeting this he wasn't we'll get to his Twitter in a minute he's no longer on Twitter uh, but he they were in New York on September eleven so people were asking about it oh. and so he later came out and said look because he said this while his three band members were with him who all looked shocked and appalled uh, but didn't cut him off yeah. and say hey pull your head in Lee what are you doing uh, he said. <laughs> I'm not good with words, and I get mixed up. Okay. <laughs> so he got mixed up. But he, the point he was making, like you can see the clear logic of his point, which is like, why do we care about this? We should be caring about this more, in his mind, more important thing. Yeah. Um, so I don't think he got that mixed up. I think he, yeah. I think he was just mad at 
mad that people are killing elephants. And we all love elephants, you know? Yes, we do. Although they did donate the royalties of their next single to the Twin Towers Fund for Victims. So <laughs> there you go. Um, he's also another in the uh, what we're finding, a collection of um, pop stars who went a little bit batty during the COVID lockdowns. Oh, really? Kid Rockstar? What did this yeah. guy do? Well, in, in 2020, he claimed that the government was controlled by the devil. And then he shared an image of an x-ray of a hand with a microchip in it. And then a okay. bunch of since-deleted yeah. tweets. Tweets. Uh, the tweets were, this is the mark of the beast, 666. This will be the next stop uh, for governments worldwide. And wow. then wrote, following that, sorry to post this shit, but it's true. I just want to spread the word so the people will know what's coming. And then he wrote... And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. And then, so and he's that, gone full conspiracy theorist. Yeah, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name, Apocalypse thirteen sixteen. Do you think there was just some crazy shit in cocaine in two thousand and one? Because it seems like everyone who did drugs in the in the late nineties, early two thousands has lost their fucking mark. Yeah. It, well, this is. I think what happened to a lot of people who were used to getting like gratification from people and mm. then not having the people, they were like, Oh, sure. Who am I? What am I going to do? This is all crazy. Yeah. This is the government trying to stop the power of blue. Damn. Uh, and then he, he ended it by saying, if I said what I was really thinking about this fucked up world, the government would assassinate, assassinate me like all the other people they've killed. I mean, again, like, Obviously, I'm not a COVID conspiracy theorist, but I do think the government, I do think broadly speaking, governments do assassinate people. I don't know which government he's talking about specifically, um, but, you know. The UK. Maybe he did. It, it was oh, Boris, the, oh. Boris Johnson was going to tackle him and take him out. Oh, okay. Well, if it's the UK government, I don't know. They did some extra judicial killings, I think, in the, in the Middle East, or they have, they have been accused of it. So anyway, right. but he, he's just hanging out in Suffolk or something, though. He's, like, he's... Yeah. We'll talk about them. In a future episode. I think they're up okay. again next week. So wow. Anyway, blue. Blue. Blue indeed. All right. We're going to move on. We're going to talk about someone who's been on the pod so much. Last episode she was on, the guest, not a fan. I tried my best to stand up for her, but look, I'm a good host. I like to let the guest shine. This is Janet Jackson and her song, Someone to Call My Lover. Janet. Mm. Um, I wonder that the, the guitar part in that sounds a lot like, do you know the David Gray song Babylon? Yes. It sounds exactly like that. I wonder if it's a sample. Well, Janet it is, Jackson. It, this, the guitar is a sample from America's song Ventura Highway. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, yeah. but I wonder if David Gray's giving Dewey an Bunnell, homage. Yeah. Uh, mm. Some writing credits like Janet is. Yeah. Um, so this got to number three in the charts in the US. Uh, it's from her album, All For You. So the chorus is an interpolation of um, a song. I, I'm going to ruin this. It's a French classical composer, Eric Satie, but it's a song called uh, Gymnopedie Number no. 1. Mm. Yeah, I recognised it. I, I, I reckon I played that on piano during when I was, um, well, when I was a kid, yeah. Well, Janet said that she heard it on an ad, she used to rush home from school and watch the 3.30 movie. And she remembers watching Sing in the Rain and there was this ad. She goes, I think it was for Dove, but I couldn't tell. 
And it never left my brain, this little melody. It's a great melody. Yeah. And then she was in at Ralph Lauren and said, like, and they were just playing it in there. She goes, oh my God, what is this? And so they had it on CD. And so she took it to uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, her writing partners, and said, I want to do something with this song. And so uh, Jimmy already had the little guitar bit for Ventura Highway as Mm -hmm. a sample. And so they put them together. And so that's how they created this song. Damn. Yeah. Rules. Yeah. Um, So this is her final ever Billboard Top 10. Uh, Oh. Oh, so is this just before the... The infamous yeah. Super Bowl scandal. That, that was 2003. We're coming up to tw- uh, 20 years. No, tw- 2004. Yeah, yeah wow. coming up to 2000, 20 years. And uh, we, we mentioned this with James McCann. I, I want them to come. I want Justin Timberlake and NSYNC to do it and then Janet to make a cameo and then Janet to rip his codpiece off to show his dick to the world. <laughs> then we have true equality. <laughs> um, but I think, look, I honestly think a comeback... For Janet, if she wants it, I think the time is right. Yeah. People love Janet Jackson. Yeah. If Kylie Minogue can have a comeback, Janet can have a comeback. Mm-hmm. All right. We're going to move on. Another Australian act, first time to the pod. They're a duo from Brisbane. They're called Aniki or Anarchy. I don't know. A-N-E-I-K-I. Would you say huh. Aniki or Anarchy? Aniki is how I would say it, yeah, but I don't too. know. I've never heard this band. Well... Get ready to hear him. This is Please to Meet You by Aniki. Exactly how I reacted when I heard it. I was Damn. like, oh, I don't know this song. I, and then I heard that and went, oh, fuck. This oh, was everywhere. Song. Yeah. yeah. So they're from Brisbane. Their names are Jennifer Waite and Grant Wallace. Uh, they were originally called Halogen, but there was a Perth band called Halogen. And they told them, no, you can't have the name. So they changed <laughs> it to Aniki. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Daniel Jones, the upper half of Savage Garden, was the, responsible for this band uh, putting out music. So he Oh, signed- the one who isn't... Um- Darren. Uh, Darren, yeah. Yep, yep. So, Daniel, I found this out. Do you know what he is now? What he's doing? No, I've no idea. I I saw Darren. I saw Darren Hayes recently, but yes. I don't know what what Darren. Darren's up to. I mean, sorry, I don't know what David's up to. Daniel. Daniel. Go, yes. go. Okay. Sorry, I saw Darren Hayes recently. I don't know what Daniel's up to. Well, Daniel married one of the members of High Five. Huh. Uh, uh, what's her name? De-, De Leon, Kathleen De Leon. Uh huh. They met at the Logies, and then, <laughs> <laughs> and then they got married. Then they he left the music industry, moved to Vegas, and then he started selling real estate in Vegas. He's a real estate Fuck agent. Yeah. Fuck yeah. And but now they've returned to the Gold Coast. That's where they live now. And one of their daughters is currently acting in Billy Elliot on the Gold Coast. So wait, so Savage Garden aren't a thing anymore? They don't do it. They, they don't do shows or anything. No. They broke up, did they? They broke up. Yeah, it was. We, uh, I've talked about this before because Darren was on the other podcast. He was on Don't You Know Ham. He was going to come on this, but then, uh, look, it's public. He's going through a divorce, so yes. he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the reason we first contacted is because I, uh, when Tony Abbott said, my favorite band is Savage Garden. Oh well, I, yes. I'd heard that Savage Garden were not on speaking terms. And I wrote Savage Garden isn't even Savage Garden's favorite band as a tweet, okay? 
Sure. Forgetting that Darren followed me. I didn't know he followed me. Like, and so he wrote back to me going, I fucking love my band. And I went, I'm sorry. I heard that you were never going to reform. He goes, no, I would never reform. Not for a million dollars, but like, I still love the work that we did. So I was like, all right, I'm sorry, Darren. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have been. Should have been glib with your life. Sure. I shouldn't have been using Twitter. What was for. Um, And so, but Daniel Johns. Okay. So. This was uh, 2001, so Savage Garden were still still a band. Uh, uh-huh. Daniel Jones was making his own label called uh, Meriden Music. This was the only band he released on the label. Uh, he met right. them because he was they, Savage Garden were looking for um, live musicians for their tours. Uh-huh. He saw them both, asked Jennifer and Grant to do it. Jennifer said yes, Grant said no, and his parents were devastated. I read an interview with him. He said, yeah, my parents thought it was the dumbest move I've ever done. Like, because he goes, I just didn't want to be seen to be a pop musician. All right. Yeah. Um, So then, yeah, then they um, released this. There was a single. They released an album and then that was it. One one album and and done. And do we know what, um, what they're doing now? I don't know. I tried looking for them. No, none of them have. I mean, social I, media or whatever. No, no yeah. and no, no uh, hyperlinks on Wikipedia or anything like that. It's just, it's just the mystery. Aniki. So, listeners, if you know Aniki, let them know mm. that we were talking about them and we knew their song from the chorus. and a great song. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Last time we spoke about their song Overload. This is another great song. This is Sugar Babes and their song Run for Cover. Goes on. Oh damn, man! Two thousand and one just loved a drum machine and synthetic strings. <laughs> sure did. So this was the only album. Uh, One Touch was the only album by the original lineup, which is currently going. There was a time, Michael. We talked about this last time that no original members were in the band, the Sugar Babes. Oh, it's just been passed on. Yeah. So the the original members could go and see the Sugar Babes in concert. <laughs> yeah. Um, at this point, they were only fifteen, sixteen. Uh, so. Mm-hmm. Cameron McAvey was their producer and he was like, you know, you really have to write your own lyrics. So he gave them the backing track for this and said, go, go write stuff over the top of it. And that's why the UK press especially loved the sugar babes initially because they were like, Oh, they write their own songs. Oh yeah. Which was a big, a big thing for like the UK press back then. It was like, you know, they what's... don't even write their own songs. And then, Oh, these ones do. That's crazy that I'm the same age as the sugar babes. But yeah. when I was listening to this song, I assumed they were like 25. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so this got to 26 on the uh, UK charts. Oh, no, the That's album it? got to 26 on the charts. Uh-huh. This didn't This didn't do very well either. Uh, and we talked about last time how they had a, a bit of issues with like some infighting and bullying and all this kind of stuff. But this week, this is how this podcast works. They're back in the news. They've released a new single. Called no. When the Rain Comes. Because they got back together, the original members, a few years ago, and they uh, couldn't have Sugar Babes as their name. Um, but after some legal battles, they finally got Sugar Babes back. But <laughs> Dev Hines uh, from Blood Orange, he produced them. He was like a big fan as a kid. And he was like, I want Sugar Babes to be back. I want them back. And so he, pro- he produced a song of theirs. 
And they did some gigs initially and then they kind of went away and then the pandemic happened, but they're back. So last year they played at Glastonbury and the <laughs> entire field had to be closed due to overcrowding. Everyone wanted like to go see Sugar Babes. Maybe they, had they blown up on TikTok or something? What's the, I what's think the it's, Sugar Babes' biggest song? Uh, I think it's Overload, although there's the later ones had bigger songs. So um, oh, Really? That? Freak Like Me is one of their big ones. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. I did but, not realize. Yeah. Wow. But um, so they're about to headline uh, London's O2 th- Arena, which is 20,000 seats. That's crazy. Good work, Sugar Babes. Great work. Great work, Sugar Babes. I'm really happy that they're back. I mean, it's so funny that they're 37, 38. And it's like, oh, the nostalgia tour is happening for them now. They're going back on the road bigger than they ever were. That's wild. It's great. All right. Speaking of bands that should be bigger than they ever were, this All is right, here we go. This is a song that I forgot about. I think most people forgot about it. Look, I'm not going to say it's better than Poison, but man, it's it's up there. This is Bardo, and this <gasps> is their song ASAP. It's a great song. It is a good song. It's a forgotten classic, I'm going to say, even though it didn't yeah. really do that well. So this was from their second album, and it was Katie Armwood had had left the band by this stage, so there are four four piece. Uh, she also, but she had recorded her vocals for this song, uh, but they removed them after <laughs> she left. All right. Yeah. Is Bardo? Is that Sophie Monk? It is Sophie Monk. Sophie yeah. Monk and Katie Chappell, Underwood. Right. Yeah. Katie Chappell. Underwood. Tiffany, oh. Tiffany Wood and someone else whose name I've forgotten. I don't have Belinda Chapel was, was recently on the project. Were you on that night? I was on that night and we chatted. Yeah. Oh, this is sorry, it, I I'd momentarily forgotten. She she's just released a book and she was saying that I think she said something like when she was there, they were getting paid something like $35 a day or something. Yeah, that was the per like diems. Yeah. Nothing, no fucking money. But one of the I don't know if you're about to tell are you about to tell a story about the break the breakup of Bardo? No, you tell it because I've talked about him in the past. I want to hear because you talked to her. So uh, I don't know if she talked about this on camera. It might have been might have been for or maybe afterwards. Actually, I was asking about it. Yeah. So someone got kicked out of the band for stealing diems. Yeah. Basically, was it? No, I don't want to use the wrong name. It was not Sophie, and no, it no. wasn't Belinda. No, well, she's not in the band like this woman. Uh, so she yeah. she was stealing from Sophie. She stole from she Sophie. stole a hundred bucks, and she was gonna pay it back once they got the per diems. But she just got caught. Oh! But on the TV show, they didn't say exactly what happened. But then it was like leaked to your Carl Sandlands and all that kind of stuff. Because they're all like they're all like what twenty or something at this yeah. point. Like they're all they don't fucking know, and they're being paid fuck all money. They're all. Yeah, they've got no. Oh god, that's well, sad. They're the worst. They're the worst part. They're, they're famous and they have no money. That's the yeah. worst. The worst, worst way combo. to be. Yeah, terrible combo. You want to be famous with money or not famous with money? You don't want to be <laughs> famous with no money. Oh. Everyone knows you, but you can't do anything. So for this uh, album, they went to Sweden, and because Max Martin was so popular, they this went. Is the second album was it or yeah. their first album? Yeah, they're right. Say, and they went to, with a group called Merlin Music. And so they were contemporaries of Max Martin. Uh, they had a big breakthrough with Nick Lachey's 98 Degrees. 
that also oh, yeah worked with uh, Madonna, Janet Jackson, Sugar Babes, and they also wrote, and this is their best accomplishment, "Toxic" by Britney Spears. What Bardo worked with wrote. the people who wrote. Not Bardo, no, no, no. Oh fuck! Okay, Merlin Sorry. Music, Merlin Music, right, the okay. production company fuck. who did this. Okay, yeah, yep. okay. So, Damn. so Kelly left. Now, the reason she left in it was early two thousand one. She got a role in Harry and Miller's production of Hair. Um, uh huh. Unfortunately, that production fell through because they couldn't get the financing for it, and so she left Bardo to go join oh. this big musical theater production, oh. which was her oh. real love, and they couldn't do it. But then she found she got on her feet because she landed the role. Of one of the angels in Ian Thorpe's Undercover Angels. Do you remember this TV show, Hing? Yeah, Thorpe's Angels. Yes. Well, I always called it Thorpe's Angels as well. But then I looked at it. It was never called Thorpe's Angels. It was called Undercover Angels. So, wait. But I reckon so who, this is some Barristan Bears kind of thing. Because I remember it being Thorpe's Angels. But everything so that was red. Yeah. Katie Underwood you were talking about just then, right? Yes, Katie Underwood. So the three... The three oh, fuck, man. The three... Um, angels, angels were Jackie O, yep, Katie Underwood, and a lady who was in Star Wars yes. called Simone Kessel. Yes. Now the reason I know that, Josh, <laughs> is because Simone Kessel was on the project a couple of months back, and I was like, it's so like in the meeting before. So the project is a TV show where people come on and you know we interview like news news people, but also just like pop stars and whatever you know, actors, musicians, that kind of thing. And so we kind of prep beforehand. It's like a panel show. And we prep beforehand the kind of questions we should ask. And I said, dude, this person, all I want to ask them about is Star Wars and Thorpe's Angels, right? And they were like, okay, you get one. You can ask her about Star Wars. Don't fucking talk to her about Thorpe's Angels. It was 20 years ago. No one fucking remembers. Like everyone will remember this. <laughs> Do you know what happened? No. No. Okay. So she comes on. It's it, the show for whatever reason that night. I think she might have released a book or I can't remember what she was talking about, but she, she was great. She was great talent, but the show was a, um, a mess that night, just like from a um, technical perspective, things were going wrong and yep. that, sometimes it happens. So they're always in your ear telling you, like producers are in your ear in a little earpiece te- talking to you while the show's going on. And they were like, guys, we've got to keep it really tight. Just remember, this is like, you know, a, a show's running over, blah, 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 blah. So she had to like basically sprint across the studio to sit down and was wearing these like six inch heels or whatever and almost fell and so that added a lot of like yeah like adrenaline to the interview now and, and but that that's what that's happening while the little video package is playing we come back live we're all like puffing right because we've all just had this excitement of some person running through the studio she sits down is so charming and wonderful and when i asked her about star wars she tells a great story about how she um basically got off from a parking or a speeding fine or something uh, some sort of traffic fine because she, the guy recognized her from Star Wars. Yep. And like, that's a pretty fun story. It was yeah. a cop in America, right? At this point, I don't realize this, but my earpiece goes dead. So the producers who were talking to us all about how the, all the tech shit that's going wrong, they can no longer talk to me. And so I'm looking around and people like people are asking, people aren't asking questions anymore, but no one, but also no one's wrapping up. And that's because the producers are in there being like, we need to go now. We need to go now. But I can't hear that. Yep. So I think that no one is wrapping up. So I'm like, I better ask, ask another question. So I turn to her and I say, you were in Thorpe's Angels. <laughs> Tell me everything. <laughs> not, not, not realizing the show has to end in like 40 seconds. We've got to be off air. <laughs> Meanwhile, the, from the producer's perspective, our, um, our producer Hunter, he's he's looking at this being like, what the fuck is Hing doing? He's lost his fucking mind. Because he, he's there being like, Hing, shut up, shut up. What are you doing? Shut up. Also, of all the people I know, he would be the most excited to hear about Thorpe's Angels, I'm sure. Yes, he was. Look, look, and, and she had a great, she talked about it and she said it was a great fun time. About, she's just sort of joked about it and stuff. But yeah, it was, anyway, that's why I know about Simone Kessel. So for Thorpe's listeners Angels. who don't know what Thorpe's Angels was, it was, okay, so the three angels, they traveled around in Alfa Romeo's. And they performed ah! deeds, <laughs> good deeds for people. One of them was decorating a nursery for a young couple with a, right. a newborn. Another one was finding a replacement puppy for children whose dog had been stolen. That was that was the that was a, ha- that was a TV was. show yep. in two thousand and one in Australia. <laughs> but this is a review for it from the Sydney Morning Herald. Their reviewer, their TV critic, Ruth Ritchie. It is the worst show in the history of the world. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, that's pretty rough, Ruth. <laughs> 
Yeah. A bit rough, Ruth. The world. No, no worse shows. Ian Thorpe didn't care because he said he was just satisfied making a show where good behaviour was rewarded. It was such a positive show. Yep. Good on you, Thorpey. Why you got to be a hater? Why you got to be haters for? Thanks. Thanks, Bardo. Thanks, ASAP. All right. Our final one. We talked about them last one as well. This song. Look, we talked about their, their fourth single. No, their fifth single. This is actually their debut single. They went back. Australia went, oh, let's, let's go back to the, uh, to the well and see how this is. This is Atomic Kitten and their song, Right Now. It's a real banger, real it's, disco kind of funk beat in the back of it. It's, um, a, it's a fun one. It's a little bit. It, it actually sounds similar in construction to that Paul Mac song yeah. as well. That kind of like kind of you know you know neo disco yeah. kind of vibe. That was great. Well, we like it now. We didn't like it at the time. It only got to seventy two here in Australia. That song. And I mean, because we already had Paul Mac, I guess. Yeah, in the UK, you know? it didn't do well either. Uh, but. Uh, the band after their fifth after Hole Again, that's when they kind of blew up. And so Kerry Katona, one of the bandmates, she she was kind of like she left the band because she got pregnant. Uh, and she has lived a fascinating life. She grew up in foster care. At seventeen, she was a glamour model, one of the page three girls. Oh. Uh, she was married to Brian McFadden. She won I'm a celebrity. She's been wow. tabloid fodder in the UK for two decades. Her birth mum was caught selling stories about her to the tabloids. But people absolutely love her over there. Like, there's this real, like, she's been voted, like, mum of the year and also worst mum of the year. That's a, that's a thing that the tabloids have, a worst mum of the year. That's fucking awful. But she's been on Jonathan Ross. She was on, do you know the show This Morning? Uh, Philip yeah. Willoughby, yeah. So there was an interview with her on that. And she uh, suffers from some mental health issues. And so she takes some medication for it. And her speech was really slurred. And she was like, it's the medication. And they're like, no, have you been drinking? And it really grilled her. And she's like, I swear, no, I, I got home last night. It's the medication. I, I, I didn't talk like this last night. Sometimes it just slurs my speech. And people really, and like, because she was a young mom and people were like, no, she shouldn't be a mom if she's going to be drinking at like nine o'clock in the morning. And it's like... Awful, awful stuff. And, like, she's admitted she's had some drinking problems in the past and stuff like that. But, like, just these – I don't know. It, yeah. it's, just, it's so bad looking back now and just going, oh, these poor people. That look. But that's also the British press is so much fucking oh. worse than – like, they are fucking rats and dogs. Yeah. Like, they're the fucking scum of the earth, some of the some of the British press. It comes up on this wow. a lot. But the Brits, right, okay. something, something's going wrong. They're not Dude. right. They're not right yeah. over there. Yeah. No. <laughs> Disgusting people. <laughs> England, a terrible country with a terrible past. <laughs> All right, we are now, we get to the point of the show where we go through these and you tell me how many are hit. So we'll go through them one by one. So uh-huh. Pop by NSYNC. Is that a hit to you, Michael Hing? Not a hit. Follow Me by Uncle Cracker. Not a hit. Don't Tell Me, Madonna. Uh, I'd say hit for that. Yeah, yeah that held hit. up. Just The Thing, Paul Mac, Peter Morris. Oh, absolute hit. All Rise by Blue. Uh, that's still a hit. Yeah, that's cool. That 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 melodica really sells yeah. it for me. Someone to call my lover by Janet Jackson. 
uh, like half a hit, I guess. It's not quite Paul Mack. We'll say mid hit. Yeah. Right. Pleased to meet you by An- An- Aniki. Uh, hit. That was a hit. Yep. Run for cover by the Sugar Babes. Didn't do much for me, to be honest. <laughs> ASAP Bardo. Uh, that was a hit. Like that. And then we have Right Now by Atomic Kitten. Well, I think, as I've said before, it's a pretty good song, but we already have Paul Mack, so another half hit. So what are that, we at? 55%. That's a pass. We passed. Hey, we did it. That's great. Thanks for doing this, Hing. No worries. That was, that was really fun. Man, 2001, a wild time. And to think, we could have been listening to any of these songs as the Twin Towers fell. <laughs> That's what I love to imagine. Someone was in the car... And this was on, and then they cut from this song to there's been an incident in New York with a plane flying into the uh, World Trade Center. <laughs> Fucking crazy. Oh, man. That is hey, wild. Hing, you got stuff to plug? Do I have stuff to plug? Um, when's this, is this coming out this week or next week? This will week? Cu- come out tomorrow. Uh, yeah, if you're in Sydney and want to come see me do a show, I'm doing some new material at the Sydney Fringe Festival. This is all like brand new stuff I've written like in the last couple of weeks. Um, so like brand, brand, brand new jokes. Um, also, if you want to Watch the show that Josh and I work at. It's called The Project, baby. <laughs> Watch it. Yeah. Um, thanks so much for having me on. This was, this was so much fun. It's news delivered differently. Um, yeah. <laughs> Enjoy the conversation, guys, please. Hey, everyone. Um, if you want to hear uh, a really cool uh, episode I did with a guy called Michael Parisi, who was uh, you know, an A&R guy for Festival and Mushroom, uh, I just did an episode with him over on Patreon at patreon.com slash D-Y-K-W-I-A. He was the man who had to tell Jimmy Barnes that he's no longer signed to Mushroom. He goes into that story. Oh, yeah. He took, over from, he took over from Michael Gudinski. And so he was dealing with uh, Sh- uh, Shirley Manson from Garbage. And first time she's like, oh, you're the new Michael. Okay, let's see how you go. He's got some great stories about all these artists. Uh, so that's it, Patreon. That's uh, Pod Machine over there. Also, if you're in Melbourne this weekend, I'm doing a bunch of shows at Comedy Republic. So go to joshua.com.au for all the ticket details there. Anyway, thanks, everyone. Thanks, singers. I'll see you next time. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.